Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. It's been a hot minute. We haven't talked to you guys in a while. We haven't talked to everybody since we were live at CubsCon, uh, and I am here with two of my comrades that uh, we we spent a lot of time together at CubsCon, especially after hours. Uh, nonetheless, 60% of the boys are here tonight. I'm Ron Luce. Joey knows nothing, and Teddy Freddy 270, Tyler and Joey. Gentlemen, first off, what's up? It's been a while. We haven't seen you in a while. And uh, second off, guys, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Man. Um, yeah, I'm probably a little choppy right now. Apologies. Right off the bat. Um, yeah, we've probably spent a little too much time with each other at uh, uh, <laughs> CubsCon. So it was nice to have this little break off. Not going to lie, but it's good to see you guys. Oh, it was it was a blast, Tyler. How you doing, man? I'm I'm good, man. It like like you guys just said, uh, CubsCon was a blast. That was so much fun doing the live show and just being with you guys, doing all that. I'm great. I'm ready for freaking baseball season, man. I know, like, so today they announced Vladdy Guerrero as the cover athlete of MLB The Show, and that's like that's like um, it, it's just another part of the process of of the season, just just you know being around the corner like they announced that then the game comes out the next thing you know the season so like today was just a slight little tease of man we're we are so close to mlb opening day and i can't freaking wait but it's good to i see us. i am right there with you uh CubsCon was a blast we so for those that obviously probably saw we were all at CubsCon together all five of us got to be together at CubsCon on Saturday uh some weather delayed those that were coming into town from other places it happened it was unfortunate uh yeah yeah but you made it you you survived you made it uh it was a great time we had an absolute blast obviously our after hours uh we got to meet Bob Denier because Joey is just the friendliest human on earth and will introduce himself to just about anybody. And uh, it worked out. It was great. We got to talk to him for a little while. Uh, hopefully he's a, a future guest on the show at some point as well. Um, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. And then we really got after it later into the evening hours. And ironically, this was the crew. It was the three of us. Uh, we closed down the Sheridan bar. Uh, we somehow managed to stay alive getting back to the hotel. <laughs> and uh, we had a great we made it. Yeah, we had a great time. It, it was so much fun, but uh, no, it was an absolute blast. It's good to be back, though. Uh, there's plenty of things, actually, for us to talk about here today. Um, we're we're going to get into all of it, uh, some signings, some additions, some big ones, some little ones, um, some signings that don't even involve the Cubs, but how it might influence the Cubs. Uh, and, of course, we got to talk about the top 100 prospects coming out because uh, there's some big news, obviously, on the front of the Cubbies. But, as always, gentlemen, we got to give some love to our comment section, which is already popping off uh, so much so I almost can't control it. Jeremiah is excited. We back. He says Cubby's making a lot of low key moves. My dad in here saying crack them. Um, dad, it's crack um with the U, not the E. Um, just gotta gotta stay on brand here. He also says Joey needs to pay his bill to keep the internet going. Uh, as Juice is saying, Joey's internet classic. Joey. Um, yes, it's great. Hi, Bernie. How are you? She says opening ceremony was awesome. It was. Uh, it was an absolutely great time. Scott saying uh, Cubs on tap. Belly signing with the Cubs doesn't matter when it happens as long as it happens. Uh, yeah, well said. I, I think that's incredibly good. Uh, on Scott's note, I am really hoping. I was really hoping coming into today, and this is the selfish part of me, because we did this with Shodi Managa, where we announced we were doing a show, and then he signed like two hours before the show started. Um, I was really hoping that was going to happen with Bellinger so we could talk about that tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. It came through my mind and I was hoping it was going to happen, but it didn't. Well, hey, See, uh, that's I'll the just, real reason. Look, I'll just sit here and just keep hitting the refresh button and just hope that maybe yeah, I'm doing just it. Maybe. Nothing, just yet, maybe. nothing yet. 
No. It'd be, it'd be electric. And then Juice on Tap says Delino DeShields, double D name to you, Tyler. Um, as we were playing the the good old name game while we oh, were yeah. Oh, God, it, that was uh, fun. It was at fun. The bar late night Nick, crack them Nick, with the name. I game. felt I felt so bad though because Nick was having such a hard time on the spot. Like he was like, uh 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 and we're like, You got this, man. And he's like, No, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't. Yeah, we were trying to give him some hints too, and he was just he was having a rough night. It was it, it was it was a good time though. It was a lot of fun. But uh gentlemen, let's 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 jump right into the discussion here at hand. I think the most notable news that has occurred already within uh the world of Cubs baseball is the addition of Hector Neris to the bullpen, a guy that Tyler you so appropriately wrote about just a handful of days before his signing. Very good, sir. Very good, very good, very good, very good, good job, good job. Um, and a huge addition, right? I, I mean they got him on a very reasonable number. Uh, this was a guy that earlier in the offseason was reported he wanted a five-year contract, and everybody kind of scoffed at that report when it came out. Cubs ultimately get him for a one-year deal. There is a second-year option. It currently stands as a team option, but if he exceeds 60 games pitched, it becomes a player option, and the total contract worth over the two years with incentives, and if he exercises the option to stay – can be worth as much as a little over $23 million. It's a very complex contract, which we're seeing the Cubs kind of dive into now. They did it with Shota Yamanaga. Now they're doing it with Hector Neris. Gentlemen, initial thoughts on adding a guy like Hector Neris to this Cubs bullpen. I like it. I mean, it was obvious at the end of last season that they needed bullpen help. And with some of the guys that left in, in this, throughout this offseason, it was clear that they needed some help in the bullpen. We all, As we all know, uh, Craig Council, he's a bullpen guy. And Hector Neris, I feel like, will be a humongous weapon this season. I mean, and, and the contract, I love the contract. Great on both sides. It's a classic, you play good, you get paid good. Uh, the guy's coming off the arguably the best season, the best season of his career. Uh, he's got nasty stuff. Yeah, he's not a he's not more much of a ground ball pitcher type. He's more of a fly ball guy, but he only gave up seven home runs last year. I know uh Hell with his because he, he what his fastball slider, uh, what has he got a sinker and a splitter? I think Tommy Hotovy can get him in that pitch lab and figure figure stuff out to to allow him to be successful at Wrigley. And I think it's great the guy can be your eighth inning guy for Adbert. He hell he could probably close games for you too. So I think this was a A plus move, A plus move. Joe, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I love the move. Um, Definitely, I think he's just got really good stuff. I mean, he doesn't have the overpowering stuff, but, you know, like you said, Tyler, he's not really a, a ground ball pitcher, but it's surprising that he's not with that fastball and that yeah. splitter because that splitter, you would think that would lead itself right into being more of a ground ball pitcher. Yep. But um, the one thing that I really like about uh, Naris is, of course, the ERA last year was great, 1.71. Um, you don't really – I guess I'm kind of tempering expectations on that level because um, we do need bullpen help signing for the team as a whole. Um, but like 1.71 ERA, I expect that to kind of come back to the norm a little bit. I feel like, you know, if he sits mid threes, low threes, maybe a touch under three, like that's a really good season. So um, I, I do think it's great for, you know, for council now. I mean, Ross, we talked a little bit or a lot of it, you know, they're during the end of the season, but then also postseason or um, after the season. You can't say postseason. They weren't in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> Got to correct that one for baseball. But, 
you know, we talked a little bit about the, about the bullpen collapse, and a lot of that was guys weren't healthy. Like, guys, the, the main guys that got you towards the end there, he was really playing with a limited deck of cards, like, as far as he didn't have all of his horses to be able to, to throw every single day that he needed them to, partially because they were so burned out, but also there was was some injuries down the stretch. And Naris is a guy who has shown the ability to pitch 68 to 80 games consistently every year. So, um, and he's really done that since 2016. Um, you know, he's an older pitcher. He's not, you know, he's not a spring chicken by any means, but you don't need that in the bullpen. You need somebody who's going to go out there and give you the innings. Um, so, yeah, I really love the move here. Yeah, I think you guys brought up a, co- a lot of great points. A couple uh, just additional notes, mostly numbers to back your guys' uh, your thoughts here. As Joey, as you said, um, plenty of baseball has this guy pitched since 2016, excluding the shortened 2020 COVID year. Uh, the least amount of games he's pitched since 2016 is 53 games, which is still pretty impressive. Um, super durable, as you mentioned as well. Has some closing experience, mostly from his days in Philadelphia. Uh, his best seasons were a 28 and 26 save season in 19 and 17, respectively. But uh, you guys noted it. I mean, he's been really good for the Astros. Was really good last year in the 71 games pitch. Uh, but Joey, to your point, career average, 3.24 ERA. Uh, I agree with you. I think if he gets back even to that number that he had with the Phillies in two 2019, that 293 ERA and 68 games pitch. I think that would be a welcome addition to this Cubs bullpen. In addition, I, I think something that perhaps goes a little forgotten or maybe just flew a little under the radar, but for those that like to read uh, around baseball and what's going on, the splitter seems to be the hot pitch right now, especially within the Cubs organization. Obviously, Mark Leiter Jr. really found you know his stride with that pitch a year ago and was an incredibly effective reliever for the Cubs for effectively no money. Hell, we remember he was DFA'd the day of the Cubs con. He was supposed to be there, and he got DFA'd yep. because they made the Eric Hosmer edition official that day. Um, in addition, now... He, you know, you add a guy who has already got a really good splitter in Neris. Luke Little is supposedly working with a splitter, according to reports. Daniel Palencia is working with a splitter. So the Cubs like the splitter. Like, that's the hot pitch right now in this organization. You bring in a guy that already has success with that pitch. As you guys both mentioned, you get him in the pitch lab. Let Tommy Hadovy work with him here in spring. And he's going to be a guy that maybe even refines that pitch further. And maybe that helps get that ground ball rate up a little more. So that way you can operate with your, your four war projected players on zips up the middle in Swanson and, 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 and Nico to do their jobs. I think it's a great signing. I love that Jed's willing to get creative with contracts, by the way. The number nerd in me just loses my mind when I see these creative contracts because I think they're I think they're cool, right? Hey. If you're doing really good, we want to keep you. We'll pay you more money even. If you're not doing so great or you want out, that's fine too. We'll see you later. Do what you got to do. It it gives everybody in the situation outs and options. And I think that's a great way uh, for, you know, the new age of baseball to look kind of moving forward. But I agree with you guys, uh, you know, an older pitcher, but Neris nonetheless, a great addition for the number they got him at. Gentlemen, uh, some other additions in the bullpen, albeit on the more minor side of things, pun fully intended, pair of minor league deals going out to old friend Carl Edwards Jr. coming back to the organization. Uh, Again, Tyler, a guy that you have a history of writing about. Uh, Granted, it might be last season, but nonetheless, a guy that you said the Cubs should target. And perhaps one of the greatest possible names a pitcher could ever have in Richard 
love lady. Lefty, Dick. which the Cubs. <laughs> yes, Joey, exactly. Um, a lefty, which the Cubs desperately need, a guy that's been banged up by some injuries over the last few seasons, uh, but he comes on a minor league deal as well. That being the more recent edition of the two. Any additional thoughts on the guys that they've added in the minor league? Obviously, Carl Edwards Jr., an old friend. So uh, interesting to see the Cubs bring an old friend back into the organization. I like that move. He was Because uh, I look at it this way. Carl, Carl Edwards Jr. was his last two seasons were very effective and he played in the I'll call it the NL beast because he played with those juggernaut teams the Mets the the Braves the Phillies and and proved in just over let's see here in his last two seasons altogether almost 90 appearances 90 appearances was very effective so I would I would love to see the guy make uh, make the opening day roster and the same thing with Love Letty I would love to see him make it just because like his name just imagine just seeing that on the back of a jersey, love lady. Uh, I think what was it, Juice? Maybe Juice was telling us that uh, his stuff hovers around what low to mid nineties. Uh, but other than that, I'm not really a hundred percent familiar with with love lady. But both, uh, uh, you know, hopefully they're both too. I mean, they're low risk, low risk, and a possible high reward. Yeah, absolutely, Joey. Anything you want to add to that? You know, you set it up when you were saying the best name uh, there with Mr. Dick Love Lady. Um, I just, I thought you were going to say the string being slinger when you were talking about Carl Edwards, and then you just went straight to Richard Love Lady. And I was like, well, <laughs> okay, that is a little bit better. That's the best, like, name signing of the offseason so far is definitely Richard Love Lady. But no, man, I agree. I think it's a low risk move on both. Uh, both contracts here, both minor league projects. Sam McWilliams is another guy, low risk, uh, reclamation kind of project, 28-year-old. Yeah. Um, so he's been kind of all over the place. Um, CJ, man, yeah, like you said, Tower, was pretty good last year. He's pretty good the year before. Uh, the injuries really is kind of – he's a little bit of a different pitcher now than he was. And by the way, Cubs now have another 2016 World Series member to join Kyle Hendricks. Uh, we're back to that era now again. Yeah, there we go. Scott from Iowa. Always, always. We can always count on Scott to have that, to have uh, our backup here with the numbers. All the stats. Yeah, he's got us. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, right now I was looking at some of the stuff that he did, and I don't know if some of this was injuries. The ground ball rate is a little above average for CJ. Um, so that's where I think the Cubs are kind of try to maximize him, obviously, with a good – uh, infield that you have obviously great infield and then if you add a guy that we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, we'll see but you already have two really good infielders uh, there at short and, and uh, second so but his strikeout rate really went down so it was around 16 percent last year the walk rate really high 12 percent. so you're gonna have to kind of adjust that a little bit that's the one thing that worries me and, and kind of pushes me to you don't really know if he's going to make the team or not, and I think that's why the minor league contract comes into play, especially when you're talking about a stress fracture that that shut him down uh, towards the end of last year. So um, I do like the move. I, I think he's comfortable, obviously, in Chicago. They they want him back in that building, so uh, really like that. Um, but then looking at Love Lady too, there was a couple things that uh, stuck out to me. I was looking at his his pitch mix. He's a drive line guy, uh, Ron. You had mentioned that. Yep. Uh, well, looking at kind of his videos that they were putting out there, you know, he had his pro camp 
a pro day out there, and the Cubs signed him. Slider, four-seam sinker, but then he was also throwing a changeup and a curveball. I mean, you can kind of differentiate uh, what the slider necessarily looks like, I guess, from time to time. Could look like a curveball, could look more like a slider. Um, but he's got really – he throws a slider a ton just based on, like, a stat cast page. And I was looking at his extension. So, yeah, he sits in that 91 to 93 – or really he's been sitting mostly 90, 91, 92, mm-hmm. but he was up there on the gun about 92 with that sinker looking at that video and his extension average extension is 6.5 feet normally. So just the extension that you're getting from your release point of when you're driving off the rubber, his extension 99th percentile last season, 7.4 feet. So to me, now, usually when you see a longer extension or you're getting a lot of extension, you're getting closer to, to home plate, that allows your fastball to play up a little bit. So if he's throwing 92 miles per hour with the sinker, he's probably looking closer to 95, 96. And I like that. That's interesting to me. I think that's a Tommy Hadovy type of move where deception can really be, you know, really what the Cubs can use. And we've seen in the past them maximize these, uh, lower velocity type of pitcher. So Love Lady is a little bit interesting to me, especially because he's a pitcher from the left side. I like it. Yeah, uh, I, I love all the analytics, Joey, that you just dove into there. I think those are absolutely all things that this this front office and, and Tommy Hadaby and company are looking at because we've seen over the last couple of years that this, this front office has no problem bringing in a guy that has a little bit of a different delivery, right? It doesn't look like the norm. He, it, he might look a little funky, right? Like the true, like the money ball guys, right? Like <laughs> we, we think back to the money ball movie and, and a guy like Chad Bradford and, and what he became because he just threw funny. A lot of these guys have seen success in Chicago, even though they throw a little different, right? Jose Quas was a guy they went out and got who throws a little different, more of that side slot than your traditional over the top slot. And, and Love Lady, absolutely the same way, right? You create deception. Maybe you aren't the fastest pitcher in terms of velocity coming off the arm, but when you can make 92 look like Joey, to your point, 94, 95, that deception plays just as well as the actual speedometer reads. And I, I think that's absolutely something that the Cubs looked at with a guy like Richard Lovelady. Um, unfortunately for him, he's never really thrown more than 27 games in a season. Had a little bit of the comeback attempt last year with Oakland, but as you noted, Joey, he was shut down because of some uh, some arm issues and some other various injuries that have plagued him over the last few seasons. So a guy that they're really banking on in terms of just – you know, what could he be? I mean, he's, he's, you know, late twenties. He's, he's certainly a guy that can, uh, you know, they can still get some run on. He's not an older pitcher by any means. And to your guys point with Edwards, really good last two years with Washington, 276 ERA in 2022, 369. Damn, that's fine. In, uh, in 2023. And again, only 32 games pitched in 2023, but still at 13 holds in those games. So for a really bad Nats team, uh, you got to like what you saw there with a guy like Carl Edwards. And again, the familiar, the familiarity is always something that they probably like. They probably watched him from a distance over the years, and they're probably looking at it going, we'll get him back in the pitch lab now. Maybe we'll tweak some things, and he could be a valuable arm for them as well and probably not cost them a whole lot because, again, minor league deals are those two guys coming in on. Gentlemen, before we get to additions elsewhere in the league that might impact the Cubs and in, in potential future additions, let's talk about guys that are already within the organization. The Cubs lead all of baseball with seven, I repeat, 
seven top 100 prospects, which if you actually boil it down to it, it's seven top 75 prospects because the last prospect is James Triantos at number 73. Seven top 75 prospects for the Chicago Cubs. The only other team that has more than five are the Baltimore Orioles. They have six, and then there's a handful of teams with five. Most teams sit in that four to three range of guys in the top 100. This prospect pool is as deep as it's been since the days of, of Chris Bryant and, and Javier Baez and Addison Russell in terms of what the Cubs have. What is your guys' reaction to, to the new look top 100 and where some of the, some new faces to the top 100 for the Cubs, but some returning faces as well have either moved up or moved down. What have you guys noticed when it comes to these top seven guys or those, these top seven, top 100 prospects for the Cubs? Tyler? Well, it's uh, it's definitely encouraging. It really is. It also goes like we were talking before the show. It also goes to show that maybe, and they kind of hinted at it too at Cubs convention. Maybe it goes to show, like, maybe it, it answers all these questions as far as, like, when when Jed's not, you know, when Jed's not making all these big, giant-ass moves that we're all screaming at him for. Maybe it goes to show that these guys have developed and are, are a lot closer than we think. But at the same time, it also goes to show that, in a way, the ball is in the Cubs' court. The ball is in the Cubs' court as far as, how they want to build this team and how they want this team to look for the next several seasons. Because as we all know, a prospect is just a prospect until they're not. And then they become suspects. So yeah, it would be nice to see all seven of those pan out and do great. As we all know, there's a chance that maybe only three of them pan out. We don't know. So it, they have so much leverage right now. When, when you see seven of the top 100 prospects, maybe maybe two of them get called up. Like you said, Ron, and I don't want to take it away from you because, it, like you said, I, I know we were talking earlier, you feel like there's going to be several guys in this class that, that are going to make an impact in 24, and that would be awesome. At the same time, maybe, maybe that impact is then being dealt for somebody at the at the trade deadline, an arm or a bat they need. So it, it's so it's encouraging. It's it's exciting because uh, maybe maybe we have some battles in spring training for certain spots. So yep. I like it. It I mean you love to see it. That you do, Joey. Anything else you want to add to that? Not a whole lot, man. I just think uh, this is you'd rather have more good, uh, a better farm system than not right you just want as many good young talent players as you can get so the fact that they are this high in the rankings and just have that many top prospects number one it's not really that much of a surprise because this is something that we always seem to find ourselves going down the rabbit hole as we talked about pre-show of doing during cubs games or after cubs games and we're doing the post-game recaps we start talking about the prospects start talking about this guy's coming or how's this guy doing uh, you know, a double A or, or single A or, you know, high A, low A, whatever it is. Uh, but now it's like you're seeing them get closer and closer and closer. And it's like, yeah, well, this is what we've kind of been looking at the last couple of years. And it's nice to see that it's it's finally, I don't want to say rearing its head, but it kind of feels that way, that it's kind of bubbling to that point of, all right, it's only a matter of time now, tick tock. There's a few of them that are coming here. So and to Tyler's point, I would not mind some of these uh, some of these guys getting dealt off 
for premium or close to premium ready to go already at that level talent because at some point you can't just keep all these guys and we know yeah prospects a prospect only until he's not a prospect and at that point um if you're ready to win man you got to do what it takes to win so i don't envision all of these guys even making the cubs obviously because injuries happen i mean we've seen it from brennan davis right we just we were all waiting all waiting all waiting not writing the guy off but um that's a that's a name right there that where is he at in that that top 100 discussion right so and, and hey not to just to add on to that real quick not to interrupt sorry to interrupt you but uh realistically all seven of them aren't going to like right. you, like you know like if sure. you just if you write it all if you if you write the depth chart out on paper you look at all the contracts and all this stuff like realistically it's not going to happen yep and Tyler, that's what makes me feel really good about. We had shows about this, obviously, or talked about this, but Michael Bush, that move for Jackson Ferris. I know we all love Jackson Ferris as a prospect. I don't know if there's one of us here at Cubs on Tap or and majority of Cubs fans or just people covering the Cubs. I think everybody liked his stuff, liked his arm action, what he was capable of, even what he showed uh, in the minors, you know, at Myrtle Beach. But like, <laughs> he's a young kid. You know, we see injuries all the time. He still had to kind of cut down and refine some things as far as command goes and really build up some more stamina before he's even close to being ready at the major league level. So if you can acquire a talent that's like right there and we expect yeah. to even be on the big league roster and is a top 50-ish prospect, what was he, 53, Michael Bush, you do it every time, I think. So it's just one of those moves that uh, a team that has put themselves in position to be able to do this uh, can do and should do when they get the opportunity. So, I mean, good things come from the farm, man. It, it really all does start from the pipeline because the, the things that you're able to do, not only replenishing that talent after paying uh, premium positions or, or premium players like a Cody Bellinger, like you're, you know, hopefully hoping to do this offseason still, um, you know, damn, please do it before spring training. My God, it's getting close here. Not that that matters, but. I think we're all antsy at this point. Um, but when you can do that, then you start to replenish it with the prospects because you can't pay for everybody. You can't be the Dodgers. We could. We know they're not going to, right? So it's a it's a really good problem for the Cubs to have right now. It definitely is. And so really quick, I, I want to just share some physical, just these are where these guys are at type stuff before I kind of go on my little my little rant here. And it's not much of a rant, but it's a, it's a proposition per se. Uh, but of the top 100, this is how the seven Cubs rank. Uh, PCA is the highest ranked. He is number 16 now, which is actually a little bit of a slide for him. I believe he topped out at 12 last season. So not a huge slide, but a little bit of a slide. Cade Horton is now up to 26. He's probably one of the highest risers in baseball. Um, Owen Casey is now number 47. Uh, so again, three Cubs in the top 50. Uh, and another two Cubs just on the outside looking in because Michael Bush is now number 51, a guy that we would expect he'll graduate from that prospect rank pretty quickly, assuming he's on the opening day roster for the Cubs. I think we expect him to be. They're already selling his jersey at Wrigley Field, so he, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to graduate off this list pretty quickly. Matt Shaw is already up to number 54 as a result of his hot start to the season after being drafted a year ago. Didn't hit lower than 292 at any level, and he made it all the way to double A. Um, El Jaguar, Kevin Alcantara, is now number 65 in all of baseball. Crazy to think, given where he's 
rose and fallen over the years. I think he's just so far away still that injuries and a lot of people are still kind of projecting what he can be. And that's, I think, why he's fluctuated. And then James Triantos, a guy that we have discussed here as a, a high riser. He's number 73 now on this list. But let's not forget, gentlemen, when you boil it down to the positional lists, because the positional lists don't are not just all top 100 players. The Cubs have a number of guys on these positional lists that aren't in the top 100. For example, Jordan Wicks is considered the number 10 left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. Cade Horton's the number three right-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. PCA is the number eight outfielder in all of baseball. Moises Ballesteros, although probably projects more as a DH in the future, he's technically a catcher slash first baseman. He's the number eight catching prospect in all of baseball. The list goes on and on. Michael Bush, third base. He's number seven. Cubs don't have a shortstop top prospect, which is weird because it feels like they always do. But James Triantos, the number three second base prospect in all of baseball. The Cubs have two first base prospects on the list. Matt Mervis is number six still, and Hayden McGeary is number 10 of first base prospects. So the Cubs still have a lot of guys making these lists, even though they're not necessarily in the top 100. This goes to show the depth that the Cubs have in the minor league pipeline. And uh, Tyler, to your point, you kind of foreshadowed something that I've been talking with you guys about. It's a little project that I'm going to be working on here that's hopefully going to be on the old ONTAP Sportsnet YouTube channel. And if you don't aren't listening to us here, you're listening to us on X, and you want to go find that, head over to YouTube.com, ONTAP Sportsnet, at ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the little bell button. You'll know when we go live. You'll know when content gets posted, et cetera, et cetera. Be sure to check it out there because at some point, I laid out the Cubs top 15 from a season ago, and obviously that's going to change when they release the top 30s for all the ball clubs, and I will adjust as I need to. But in my calculation, a pretty crazy number of the top 15 are guys that could have an impact on this team in 2024. I'm not going to give all the goods away. You got to go see the video in order to know what I'm talking about here. But it's, it's kind of impressive, and I think that has very much dictated a lot of what the Cubs are doing this season because – in order to understand what you have in the minor leagues, you got to give these guys some playing time, especially if they're knocking on the door and, and this team thinks they're ready. Nobody knows the Cubs prospects better than the Cubs do. So if they're going to give some of these young guys the opportunity to play this year and try to help this team win in 2024, not only is that a, a great audition for guys that might not be with the organization long-term to your guys's points, trading prospect capital and, and moving on from guys in order to improve in positions that you need to improve at, and B, Maybe one of these guys comes up and is that unsung hero of the 2024 season. How often do we see that across baseball where a Spencer Strider comes up and makes a massive difference for the Atlanta Braves? Or you have uh, one of these top prospects in baseball comes up and all of a sudden that team goes on a tear. Like when Chris Bryant came up in 2015 for the Cubs and won rookie of the year. Like there are times where a prospect will come up and be a difference maker. Now, this team doesn't need that guy to come and be the dude. But if he can be a dude in a lineup full of dudes, that's only going to help this team win games in 2024. So, again, more to come on that later uh, from me personally. But, uh, again, I I think the top 100 is certainly worth mentioning. I think it'll be more exciting personally, at least for me, when the top 30s re-ranked are listed. You'll see who falls off the top 30, see who rises into the top 30. That's where you'll really get a good feel, I think, for what the Cubs' depth is and who they kind of value where uh, on that kind of – hierarchical list of prospects very excited to see what happens there but that is to come gentlemen more into the meat and potatoes now of this show here and that is some news around baseball 
that potentially sets up future news for the Chicago Cubs. Because as of today, Justin Turner, who the Cubs were reportedly linked to multiple times throughout the offseason. Now, as we learned from Jed at CubsCon, take that with a pound of salt. We don't know how accurate that might be. Nonetheless, he signs in Toronto, one-year deal. $13 million to go up there. He's going to DH. He might play a little first if Vladdy's not playing first. Hell, he might even play third base for all we know for a little bit if they really need him in a pinch. But nonetheless, he's a bat. He's up there. He gets $13 million from the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have effectively played their way out of the Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger sweepstakes. They brought back Kevin Kiermeyer. They signed Isaiah um, Kiner-Falafa to be kind of that utility player to move around the infield and outfield. They've brought in Turner. They still have the likes of Dalton Varsho and Kirk and Bichette and so on and so forth. What do you guys think this Turner addition means for the markets of guys like Chapman and Bellinger? Because personally, I look at this and I say, well, that takes Toronto probably effectively fully out of it. If it wasn't pretty feeling that way before, I think it pretty close to does now, especially because they're going to have to pay Vladdy after arbitration. He's getting at least probably $22 million for one season. So they got to think about that as well right now on their hands. But I look at this and say, well, the only two teams that either one of these players fit with are the Giants and the Cubs. And I don't see the Giants going out and overpaying either one of these guys based on some of the moves that they've made, acquiring Robbie Ray from the Giants, sending Mitch Hanniger back to Seattle, uh, from the Mariners, you know, sending him back to Seattle. Have the Cubs kind of almost lulled themselves into getting potentially both of these guys? Could they get a Matt Chapman? And this is my hot take, Joey. Could they get a Matt Chapman on a prove-it type deal like they did Cody Bellinger? Just because the market's not there this year and maybe it will be next year? especially if some of these teams that don't want to spend money right now figure out their regional sports network situations. Does he take a one-year bet at deal with a, an up-and-coming team like the Cubs? You know, Does Belly finally just say, hey, they're giving me something that I really like. I want to be a Cub. Scott, just sign the fucking deal. And not you, Scott, from Iowa. Scott Boris. <laughs> these are all things that I think we're, we're kind Scott, of sitting here contemplating. Yeah, Scott, from get the deal oh, done, Scott. Also. What are hey, we doing? Hey, hey, speaking of Scott, play. Scott, Scott tweeted me earlier today with an interesting idea. He's he was like, maybe, maybe they're working out like a double deal with both Belly and Chapman. Maybe, maybe. Let's see. Uh, but it's like I don't, I don't hate the whole Justin Turner not coming over here. In fact, like at thirty nine years old, in my opinion, I feel like it would just be a big risk for $13 million, especially coming from a guy that he's going to take up your DH spot probably for the most part. That would that Because he only played third base seven games last year. He played some games at first, but I feel like he would basically take up your DH spot. And then it's like, where does Morrell play? Because I've said earlier, oh, my gosh, I think they should give Morrell a shot. And then yesterday I get blown up on Twitter about it because I'm like, hey, why not give him a shot? And that's a whole other story. But so it, it – it would leave too many questions as far as where, where everyone else would play. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the idea of a Matt Chapman. I'm, I'm trying each each and every day, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying hard. I'm trying to, to like a Matt Chapman deal. I don't like the idea of a six-year contract. I really don't. And I tweeted earlier today, I think there's a reason, supposedly, 
supposedly Matt Chapman has not got a single offer this offseason. And it makes me wonder, one, you could say, well, is it the Scott Boris, you know, is it the Scott Boris effect? Maybe. Or maybe it's, bro, you're you're asking for six years. And I know your gloves, your gloves amazing. It's it's platinum. It's not even golden. It's platinum. If I even said that part right, that word right. But anyways, but there's still questions about his bat. But Ron, on your point, I wouldn't hate a prove it to me deal. I wouldn't hate a to be honest, I wouldn't hate a one to three year deal. Here's the thing. Matt Chapman had a better season this year than Cody Bellinger had going into free agent the year before last. So maybe does he get more than what Cody Bellinger got at the beginning of last season? Probably just because the dollar last season is more this season, if that makes sense. The dollar this season is more than last season. The present the present but value of money. Here's the weird well thing said. about Matt Chapman. If you look on if the value of money. If you look at Matt Chapman's baseball savant and you compare it to Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman should have had a better season than Cody Bellinger this year. If you look at all his numbers, like it's just, it's just spewing with red. He hit the shit out of the ball last year, hit it freaking hard. Just sometimes didn't, didn't fall the right way for him, I guess. But if you look at it, it's like, holy crap. Like if you took off the names, I know Joey, you did it the other day with a couple of players. Like if you just took off their names, you'd be like, Holy crap, who's this guy? Oh, it's Matt Chapman. And I wouldn't and here's another interesting as far as Chapman. And this is part of me trying to cope with okay, Dylan, if we get if we get Matt Chapman, this is my way. I, I've been trying to figure out ways to how how to like it. <laughs> but uh last season, last season, if he played all his games in NL Central ballparks. He would have crushed like as far as home runs. If he played in Cincinnati alone, it like I know you don't play all your games in one park, but if he would have played all his games in Cincinnati, 36 home runs. Wrigley Field still would have been 16. Milwaukee would have been 28. And I believe uh Pittsburgh may have been close to 20, but it goes to show maybe a change of scenery, maybe a change of leagues. Maybe that's something that helps him out. Maybe even the whole here's what here's the one thing that I would like. If we did sign him for a short year, a short year, prove it to me deal, Ron. I would really like that rivalry of who's the better third baseman in the central. Is it Arenado or is it Chapman? If you look at Arenado's slash line from last year, it's pretty, it, it it's pretty close to what Chapman's slash line was last year as well. Now I get it. He had more home runs. He had more RBIs, but just as far as the slash, pretty close. And, I haven't looked at Arenado's uh, Arenado's baseball savant as far as like his everything that's in the red, but I'd have to say it's not that much higher than Matt Chapman's. So I wouldn't hate it. I just don't want to overpay for a guy that we know with Bellinger, he's going to get overpaid, but we know what we had with him last year. He's comfortable here. I feel like San Francisco, I, I'm sorry, it wouldn't shock me at all if San Francisco overpaid for Matt Chapman. It really wouldn't. They, they've missed out on everybody. They're like, screw it. We'll give the bag to Matt Chapman and just hope it happens. But um, to agree with you, Ron, I just, I would, I wouldn't mind it just as long as the years are right. 
Absolutely. Joey, uh, before you add on, I want to show a couple of comments here from the section. Jeremiah says Chapman's upgraded uh, versus every option the Cubs currently have at third base. He goes on to add Cabrian Hayes in there, but unfortunately, Cabrian Hayes would cost an arm, a leg, my right arm, Joey's left arm, and Tyler's right foot to make a trade happen. Um, and then Scott a little bit earlier saying, uh, seeing tweets, Scott Boris has pissed off the Yankees in regards to Blake Sell, and they are moving on from him. So, yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, Boris might burn bridges with some of these teams this year because they're just not willing yeah. to, to do these outrageous things. And I think largely some of that is related to the RSNs. I think there's so many teams that are sitting out here that are going, look, we can't pay that. And then the teams that can pay it are like, why should we? There's no, there's no demand for the player because of the money. So he's going to get what we effectively dictate because that's how the market's playing out. Joey, uh, additional thoughts on, uh, on the situation at hand with guys like Chapman and Bellinger. Yeah, so Tyler, I'm gonna make you feel a little bit better. <laughs> You're talking yourself into this. I'm trying. You know, I'm trying. I'm, gonna, I'm trying. Convince me. Convince me more, Joey. Help, help me. You. Help me, Joey. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna try to, anyways. We'll see if I can actually make the case. And it's a lot of the same things you said. And I'm glad that you brought up the baseball savant page uh there because when you said no one Arenado and you weren't sure. In comparison to Matt Chapman, he was one of the photos that I kind of lined up side by side. So it was Manny Machado, I believe, was the other one. And I think it was Arenado was the other one. And Chapman really comes out superior or right there, if not better, in a lot of these categories. Now, the one area or like a lot of the areas that you can see, this is my thing with Chapman. So the median projections right now are showing five years, $115 million. Right, that's the contract. What's that? Twenty-three million a season. Um, suppose, like from what I'm kind of gathering, he kind of wants six years. I don't know how comfortable I feel like I feel with the Cubs also giving him six years. Now he's not like he's old; he's still pretty young. The problem then becomes: who are you blocking? Who can you also acquire in future years? But the other issue is, do you really give a shit when third base is kind of a clear weakness, especially at least on defense, right? Because we don't know with Morrell's defense. And when we want to kind of give him a little bit of a leash, we want to have him play there. We, we think Matt Shaw can be that guy relatively soon. And I, I mean, he's one of the top prospects. He's on that list there uh, that we just talked about as top 100. So Matt Shaw is definitely a guy that probably is going to be there pretty soon. You don't want to block that guy, but you earn your way to the major leagues. Like look at Michael Bush, right? You got to earn your way into a starting lineup. And I think that's naturally going to happen at some point because of injuries and other things that kind of just, it shakes itself out. Like you find your way into different lineups. Um, so I'm not really concerned with blocking prospects at this point that much. Um, the thing with Chapman and, and you talk about his defense, I mean, top notch, top, top notch. You, you solidify him over there at third base you have Chapman, you have Swanson, you have Horner. If you get Bellinger, you have Belly at first. You have a basically star-studded defense all across the board because you have Happ and left. You have PCA, hopefully, right, in center. If not, you have a pretty good placeholder there, at least decently enough with Talkman or uh, Belly can obviously play center too. So, I mean, your defense is already stacked as it is. The things that with Chapman – he did really well last season. His hard hit rate, and you were talking about the StatCast or Baseball Savant page, that was his best hard hit rate of his career last year. 
So I think we've, as a whole group, and this isn't any particular person, I think the negative kind of consensus around Chapman or thought around Chapman, and this is the same thing with Swanson last year, right? Ron, we said on the show, and we said, we talked a little bit about a pre-show, and mm-hmm. then we sat and talked, and I was like, dude, I think this would be a great move. He's young. He's a great defender. He's got enough offense. He makes your team better. That is exactly what Jeremiah is saying right here. He's an upgrade over every single option that we have at third base. That's exactly what Matt Chapman is. Um, He's an upgrade offensively, not just because of his hard hit rate, but the guy can still hit, in my opinion, uh, some decent home run numbers. He had 17 last year. But realistically – that's probably his floor looking at his profile. And Tyler, you made some great points about different ballparks, change of scenery. I'm looking at it since 2019, right? Here's his totals. 36 home runs, 34 home runs, 27 home runs, 27 home runs, 17 home runs. And the reason why I say 34 home runs when you're looking at 2020, I think it's 2020, is because that's what he was on pace for in that shortened season. So if you really look at this, how much of a downswing are we looking at here offensively? We're talking about really one year because I expect him to increase that power, go back up to that really that 23, 25 to 27 range. And you're talking about a really damn good third baseman. Defensively, we did not have that over there. And that cost our team games. That cost our team runs. I mean, it's run prevention at the end of the day. It's also run prevention can come in any form like they've been talking about defensively that also helps your offense you don't need to score as many runs when you play a sounded defense and I think at times that third base position was a black hole last year so he doesn't chase much he takes his walks which kind of levels out makes his OBP a little bit higher the real problem that he has is he and he he swings and misses with pitches in the zone when he swings and misses or when he swings he swings at good pitches but he will swing and miss quite a bit. But if that's the way that you're getting your outs, it's kind of the same conversation as a wisdom, but better because this guy has never had an OPS plus below the 100 marker, which is average. He's always in every single year of his career above OPS plus. So you're talking about an above average player, both sides of the ball. So as much as we talk about Bad, bad offense or below average tailing off offense. OPS plus last year, again, above average. So I'm, I'm talking myself into it, Tyler. I hope I helped. Yeah. I like it, man. I mean, do you think it, do you think it's a legit possibility that they get both? Yeah, I do. Because like you said, can they pair up both of those players uh, being that their agents are the same. It doesn't, they don't have to have the same agents. Of course, we know that. But I do think that does help in discussions like this because Boris is looking out for both of his clients, wanting them to both get the best deal. But he, he can always go back to him and say, hey, this is what your best deal is, or I'm going to get you both pretty good deals. Maybe they do uh, something like Ron mentioned, where you know it's more of a prove it contract. I would say I don't predict, like I wouldn't expect uh, Chapman to get anything less than three years or two to three with an option or something because he's not really we talk about prove it deals he's not really on a prove it deal he's he's kind of on the prove it power deal <laughs> like right, well, but he's, hey he's been proven ron and i know you're i know you want to talk ron ron it's like i, I like your idea and you may want to say it with 
as far as contract wise with his comparison to uh, uh, Hoskins deal. Yeah. And, and that was something I brought up in, in our chat, right. Was like a, Hey, give him a, a two year, 34 million like type that. dollar I like deal. I think you could even with a player like Chapman go three years with the third year being, or, and just give them opt outs. Yeah. The Cubs have shown they're willing to get creative with contracts, right? We've seen it in the Imanaga deal. We've seen it in the Naris deal. If I'm Jed, I do that for both players. I go to Cody and say, look, man, we'll give you the money. We'll give you a solid amount of money. We'll give you maybe 180 million over six or seven seasons, probably six more than seven. And, but after year three, we'll build in an opt out for you. You can hit free agency again at the prime age of 31 and go get another contract if you don't want to be in Chicago. And it gives the Cubs an out too, potentially, because if he's like, hey, I want to go get paid, and the Cubs are like, okay, well, Kevin Alcantara is ready to be a superstar, yeah. they can do mm-hmm. it. In addition, you could do the same thing with a guy like Matt Chapman, right? Where you could say, look, Matt, you are guaranteed three years. You're guaranteed three years at, let's just say, 18 million bucks. Mm-hmm. I think paying him over 20 is not worth it personally. But let's say he gets 18. Maybe he does get 20. Who, who, who the hell knows? If you can then say, look, we'll build in maybe a mutual option for year four and a team option for year five. And if if there's your five-year contract that you're willing to get, maybe then there's even a, if we get all the way to a sixth year, we'll give you a player option because if you're still producing at that age, yeah. that's great. You know, you can build in ways to get creative in the contracts. And I, I Jed has very clearly shown it. The Shota Imanaga deal is one of the most complex contracts in baseball that's been signed this season. Outside, and I know everybody's well, the Otani deal. It's not complex, uh-huh. folks. It's just a deferred money. It's it it is what it is. Imanaga's is completely like it can be club friendly, it can be player friendly, it can be both, yeah. it can be neither. Like it, it's got multiple different possibilities that it can ultimately become over the life of the deal. Why Imanaga's not? Is that perfect? Like win win for each party, basically, yeah. or you know win lose, but like you're still winning if you lose. Right, you know, yeah. So I, I think the Cubs can certainly uh, negotiate something like that with both of these guys, and maybe that's something the Cubs have done, and maybe that's what's taking longer. Yeah, is you know maybe a guy like Chapman comes back and says, "Hey, I I like that concept, but I want a little more money in the mutual option for year four than you're you're giving right now." And they go, "Well, maybe we'll go a little higher," and they're like, "Well, no, we want this," and the Cubs are like, well, "We'll go to this," and it's like, "Or we can give you something on the further back end." a little more, but you know, or maybe, Hey, we'll give you a little more guaranteed money. Right. Because at the end of the day, maybe they say, Hey, look, we're, we're not going to give you that extra couple million, but if we buy you out or we don't pick up your option, we'll still pay you $6 million. Yeah. You, uh, yeah so, sorry. Go ahead, Joey. No, no, no. I, I just have one quick question. It's going to start an argument. <laughs> no, go ahead. So, it's not really to start an argument. It's just a question about this because Ron, you said something when you were talking there, you didn't think he was worth more than you don't think he's worth 20 million. So my question is now looking at the market, since we were talking about Justin Turner, right? He can't play third really much. He can only really DH. He got one year, 13 million. And I understand you pay a little bit more for short-term contracts. In my opinion, do you think that, or I don't think he is, but I want to know, do you think four million more or seven million more than a Justin Turner towards the end of his career is crazy for a guy that can play two ways and give you above average and elite on one end? Like I feel like 
I feel like seven million more if we're just looking at the market right now. Like that's even a little bit. I'd go even a little higher. I feel like he is worth is. I guess my question: Does that change your thought looking at what has been paid? No, I, I think I, I think there's a world where he can get twenty million, and I'm not going to scoff at it. I think the thing that needs to just be kept in mind when talking Matt Chapman versus Justin Turner is there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, <laughs> right? Right, but when uh, you and, go two but, years. But you got to remember, baseball contracts are fully guaranteed. So mm-hmm. if they take the risk and say, hey, Matt, we're going to give you your four years of security, the more money you pay them, the more you're on the hook for no matter what. This isn't the NFL where you can yeah, cut just, a guy in only just 65% the of the contract. Yeah. Rendon. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a perfect example. Like that's I think the thing that a lot of people maybe lose sight of is that baseball contracts are fully guaranteed. And that's mm-hmm. why I think if you're Jed, the best case scenario is building in a bunch of options. Yep. Because yeah. if the player plays well, it incentivizes the player to play well and and yeah. the, I I believe the Cubs would act in good faith if a player played really well. They'd say, "Yeah, we'll pick up your you know, like if Imanaga comes out in the first two years and is everything that the Cubs hoped he would be, I bet you they pick up that fifth year and he rides that that five year deal that becomes what eighty million dollars. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think it happens at that point. So, if they were uh, able I, to, sorry, if they were able to build in that stipulation or not stipulation, but work in the uh, the option, team friendly, player friendly, two year, two year, one year, or something. Like let's say he needed five at least, like but it was that two two one type of built in could go either way. I would love that personally. Like I sure. think that's a great option. Or even Joey, to your point, maybe they say, "Hey, look, we'll we'll give you your five years, but we're going to build the last two years into be options that have some type of team influence, but we'll give you more up front on the front end for the first three years, and that's guaranteed money." So maybe they say, "Hey, we'll give you." 25 million for three seasons per year so you get your three for 75 effectively but year four maybe you're only getting 16 and year five maybe you're only getting 14 right so like you give them maybe a little more guaranteed money on the front end you could you can make the same argument about a guy like cody bellinger i think the cubs don't have any hesitation in the world of going at least five years with bellinger maybe six for circa 30 million dollars and say per season and saying, Hey, we'll give you an out after three. If you really want to leave after three years and, and test the market one more time while you're still in your prime, we'll give you that opportunity because who knows, right? Bellinger could very well get to year three and maybe be really good, but maybe Scott Boris looks at the market and goes, eh, Cody, I love you, man. I'm going to tell it to you straight. We can't, we're probably not getting more than what you're making already with the Cubs. Stay in, opt into your last three years of the deal, and just keep playing ball in Wrigley. You'll love it there. Just just keep doing your thing, right? It, 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 I think creating the power of options is such a, a unique thing that you can do within baseball that most other sports really don't do that I think can can really make some interesting things. I do want to get to a couple comments here, though, because we've had a lot of great ones coming in throughout this discussion that I want to bring some light to. Scott earlier said the only scary has in regards to Belly uh, is that the if the Baltimore sale is finalized, it's one billionaire selling to another billionaire. Uh, and they want to make a big splash. And my argument to that would be, I think if the Baltimore Orioles are making a big splash, it's in the pitching aspect. It's Blake Snell. 
yeah. it's Blake Snell, it's Jordan it's Montgomery. Snell. I yeah. don't think it's Cody Bellinger because, admittedly, I, think, I look I think, at that roster and I, I ask, think, where are you going to put him? I think Blake Snell last year too. I think Blake Snell is calling Baltimore right now that they've got new ownership and be like, please sign me and let me shove it up the asses mm-hmm. of, of the Rays and the Red Sox and the Yankees and all of them. Let me show yeah. them what they're missing, what they missed. Yeah, so I, I think that's one thing to keep in mind there. Um, Jeremiah says that, that the Cubs could maybe need to unload some of their depth at third base if they do get Chapman. Uh, he also says the longer this goes, uh, you know, the better it is for the Cubs. Scott says out of Master Boney Magical and Wisdom, two or three of them will be in Iowa playing with Bodie. Um, Jeremiah adds he'd rather have Magical out there at three, I think, of that group. Scott continues saying if the Cubs sign Chapman, he thinks they keep Wisdom for power. I think Wisdom's okay. staying regardless for bench power. Speaking of that, speaking of that on Scott's comment, if the Cubs do sign Chapman and if they do sign Cody Bellinger, I agree. I think they keep Wisdom. Does Christopher Morrell, does that mean he's getting traded sometime no. during the season? No. I think Wisdom stays as a bat a bench power bat and can play a little first, a little third. If guys need a blow over 162, um, I think you need to keep Christopher Morrell's bat in the lineup every single day. I think Christopher Morrell's hitting 40 home runs this year. I think you I'm, keep him in that I'm lineup. That. And then let's say you do need an arm or something. You've got that DH and you've got that in your pocket at least. Yeah. And if you don't, then, Hey, he hit you 40 home runs and hopefully, you know, you're eight games up in the central. Hundred percent. Hank says, uh, unless something big happens, he doesn't see this as starting pitcher staff that can win it all. And I think that's an interesting thing. I I, I think there's a lot of things that need to be kept in mind. I, I think a lot of Cubs fans. I had this epiphany today, and people are going to laugh at me, and they're going to be like, "Oh, you sound like a philosopher or a stoner or something like that." But I had some good thoughts today, and this is one that I, I was thinking about. When you sign a player for a contract, you want them to be the best version of themselves every single year. But consistency is really fucking hard. And the guys that are consistent year in and year out make $300 plus million like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani and all these guys. The real key, if you look at it, baseball especially, I think more than any other sport in my opinion, baseball is... You are just you are sliding the 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 your 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 blinders from year to year, and you're saying what do we got? And yeah, it's great having guys in the future and guys coming up in the pipeline and guys in the past, but like it's a year to year thing. And why I say that? How many times do we look at a guy's stats and go, "Wow, this guy had a really good year one year, and then a really shit year the next, but then had a really good rebound year the next year." A lot of players have that happen in baseball. Who's to say Jamison Tyone doesn't come back out and look like Jamison Tyone before he signed with the Cubs? Or Matt you Chapman. Know? Or a Matt Chapman. Or a Jed and Carter even said it at CubsCon. It's right. It's taking those players that you know are consistently going to give you that two to three wins per year in war. How do you get them to the four wins? How do you get them to be that four win player? Because you're going to need a couple of those guys every year to really go win it all. So you're banking on development. You're banking on just potential effectively with a lot of these guys. And again, you pay the biggest guys that you know consistent that are going to put up numbers consistently. So I, I think that's something to keep in mind because, right, like we look at this pitching staff right now and say, that's underwhelming. What if Jordan Wicks takes a huge step forward this year? What if Kyle Hendricks pitches like he did a season ago? What if 
uh, uh, Jameson Tyone finally rebounds and looks like himself? What if Justin Steele takes another step forward and gets even better? What if Shoman is everything we would have hoped he would be? Then all of a sudden, I think we're sitting here at the end of the year having a totally different narrative on the pitching staff, right? That's the beauty of baseball, too. It's such a long season. Like, I, I, you guys can see it in my tagline if you're watching live. If you're not watching live, again, I encourage you head over to YouTube. You can watch us live. You can see all of our facial expressions and all the silly shit that goes on on these shows. I miss Cubs baseball. So much so, there was a video on YouTube today of all 196 home runs the Cubs hit this past season, and I fucking watched it. That's how much I miss Cubs baseball right now. But you know what's crazy is watching the evolution of the roster from game one to game 162, right? Watching Tucker Barnhart go deep in Pittsburgh. Watching yeah, Eric Hosmer go deep in Oakland boy, at the beginning. Boy, I bet, you, I bet you were so sad at the end of that video, Ron, that you didn't see a Tucker Barnhart or, a, oh, or Eric know. Hosmer or Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini. I forgot right. Trey Mancini hit four bombs. at the end of this. But I forgot Trey Mancini hit four home runs watching Nelly V hit the, the grand slam against Seattle. But again, oh man, that's still the same season. Wow. Yeah. That's my point. It is so like I think we as people get so caught up in the, the now that we forget that baseball is a freaking marathon. It definitely is. Rosters look astronomically different from opening day to the postseason. And astronomically different and like my my dad says absolutely like my dad says though really quick just add before you go joey what if horton yeah. pitches his ass off and comes up and cements himself Good. as a starter yeah we don't know right and that's half the fun that goes in but please share joey I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have to say no no i just want to add on to your point there because i do feel like you make great points. It's variance. It's it's who do you have this year? It's who's going to have the, the comeback season, the bounce back. Who's going to have the down season that you need to replace? Who's going to get the injuries? Who's going to come in unknown from the minor league system and play well or play poorly, get sent back down, have somebody else come up and play well? Like that all gets figured out. But like, I also think to who was it to ask the question or who was talking about this pitching staff, Jeremiah? Um, or was it Hank? Hank. It was Hank. Hank. Um, to that point, like it's it's every year the team that wins or the most the teams that win the most games have the most players click in one season. That's yep. that's really what it boils down to. It's not not every team that you see win the most games has the best team on paper. Like, do you look at the Tampa Bay Rays and say they have the best team on paper every year? I don't think we do, but then there's a shockwave player that comes in there and does well. And I think that's really what the ultimate, and I know people hate that when people mention the Rays or when Jed Hoyer had talked about, well, teams like that, and they, they think that the Cubs are just being this cheap, team well no hopefully not hopefully that they are going to go and spend the money like we've seen over the past years with like Dansby Swanson that they are going to go out there and go get those big dogs like Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman but to be operating like a team that can develop those players to maximize all the players that you have on your roster um, that's really what it takes. Like it's, it doesn't have to be the best team on paper. It's just finding the formula. Uh, and just, we just hope that they have the right formula. Cause we know that they know way more about this roster than we do sitting here at home. 
Absolutely. And Hank follows up uh, calling, telling my daddy that he's reading his mind, banking on Horton to be lights out. But again, and, and Hank, this is not an attack at you at all. I, I think not at all. I, I love this is why we love our comment section. This is why we encourage everybody that listens along, whether you're on X, uh, just as our friend up here earlier, uh, fake ball coach said um, he's commenting from X again. We can see your comments from X. Please jump in the conversation because uh, our comment section again. A lot of times we'll help dictate the show and how we talk about things and things that maybe we didn't think about talking about that somehow fit into our discussions. And, and again, just, I think what makes like the thought process of what the front office is going through. So interesting and things like that, because again, there is so much variance that could go into a couple of quick comments is here as well. Um, Scott noted that just free agent pitchers notorious for having really bad first years with the Cubs. Uh, and Scott follows that up and says 14 days in a wake up until Cubs and pitchers catchers report uh, really quickly. One statistic about Matt Chapman that I think is very important. Um, you guys noted the, the Nolan Arenado comp, and some of his years, uh, if you go back to his years in Oakland, not only was he hitting, uh, you know, 2018, 24 home runs, 2019, 36 home runs, uh, but he was also hitting over 35 doubles. He didn't do that until last season. He had 39 doubles to go along with those 17 home runs. So again, a player that the Chicago Cubs very much like in one Ian Happ has a very similar looking stat line to what Matt Chapman did a year ago, hitting in the two forties, but hitting for good slug. I think Hap slugged a little better than Chapman did a year ago, but very similar pr production, you know, and if that hard hit rates there, that usually banks out well. And even if it is a lot of doubles at Wrigley, if he's driving and runs if, again, the long ball, yes, you need the long ball to win games, but you still need to be able to score runs other ways and need to have electric defense and, and pitching as well in order to complement that. So again, uh, I think great conversation on, on Chapman. I'll be honest with you guys. I, I, I feel a little better about an idea of Chapman in a Cubs uniform after our discussion here. Um, but in relation to what Scott had to say, pitchers and catchers are on the, on the horizon. Guys, spring training's coming. And again, yeah. we're going to have a couple of shows between now and spring training. We're not totally vanishing on everybody, um, but they will be guest-centric. And uh, a little more on that at the end of the show. But uh, guys, I want to get to a question, just a primer here for spring training. What is one headline? that you are most excited for. And if you're in the comment section right now, please feel free to drop yours. We'll share them after we all share our thoughts as well. But what I mean by headline is maybe one player that you're really watching this year to maybe take a step forward, maybe a, a prospect that, you know, you're, you're expecting maybe to have a good spring that could pole vault him on a big 2024, uh, maybe a position battle that you're excited to kind of keep an eye on this year. Or maybe it's just a guy that's coming that, you know, an example I made off air earlier was, Maybe a guy coming in on a minor league deal that earns himself a major league contract with this team. Uh, so I want to give the floor. Joey, uh, we'll give the floor to you first here. Headline that you're most excited for moving into spring training. Oh, man, there's a few good ones that come to come to mind right away. Um, I'm going to stick with one, though. Sticking by the rules here, Ron, because I usually don't when we do these things. So I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going to go with Christopher Morrell. Um because I, I'm really just interested to see how his spring goes from a defensive standpoint and offensive standpoint too. Like how does he react to all this talk about his defense? Because that can also play into your offense as well. And I think he handled DH really well last year. He, he, he kind of embraced the role. David Ross had mentioned that, but 
if he's sticking at DH, I think he's going to be fine with it. But if they are trying to toy with him at third or maybe even first, how does he respond to it? Not only at an offense, but uh, defense as well. Like, does he look decent there? Because we heard reports in winter ball that he wasn't looking so hot there. So uh, that's that's probably my main storyline. Even though there's like two or three others that come to head uh, come to mind too. Hold on to those, Joey, because I might come back to those because I'm I'm intrigued to hear. Maybe we'll we'll share one, but if we go around the horn and and you still got some uh, some outliers, we'll we'll come back. Yeah. To those. Tyler, what do you, what do you got for us? Mine's more of a, and it's kind of it's it's kind of what we were talking about just a while ago. It a group. I want to see what this starting rotation looks like. I want to know if are we gonna are we gonna do a six man rotation this year? Mm-hmm. It's been passed around. I kind of be interested in all that. I want to see uh, how well does Imanaga make that tr- transition. Mm. I want to see uh, when we just mentioned him, Jameson Tyon. I want to see if he makes this. I mean, everybody, all I mean, every all the guys at Cubs convince him. I mean, you hear all the people talking about Jameson Tyon's going to bounce back this year. I want to see it. He's making four million dollars more this year. I want to see him step up and see if uh, if he can be that guy that he used to be. But my eyes, spring training as far as battling and all that kind of stuff is on this rotation. And is it going to be a five man rotation? Is it going to be a six man rotation? Uh, does Jordan Wick step up? Does he kind of does he kind of uh, grow from his success last season? Uh, does Kyle Hendricks? Do we see him? Can he make 180 innings this year? Does he make 30 starts this year? So yeah, it's the rotation because, in my opinion, this team only goes as far at least during the regular season. This this team only goes as far as their starting rotation. I like it. I dig that a lot. Uh, I'm going to share a couple from the comment section here real quick before I give mine. Jeremiah says, say Suzuki because he can break out and become a star. I did have that thought today. I watched say I hit a couple of home runs and I was like, fuck, they need a big year out of say this year. Uh, that that's one that they, they really desperately need. Um, Scott says if the Cubs pass on Chapman, he says, Oh, in case your PCA is winning rookie of the year. Um, so Scott's guys to watch potentially Owen Casey, potentially PCA um, for guys as Scott continues to throw out predictions. Mine, gentlemen, is a, a newly acquired player and is not one that we have already mentioned. I'm just very fascinated because it's very rare that a player hits as well as this guy did in AAA, double A, and just about every level and not at least become a serviceable major league player. Like at least a two war player, maybe he gives you a couple three and a half to four wins war seasons. I'm really excited about Michael Bush. I really am. I'm excited to see what he is. Again, I think the Cubs had in mind all off season that they wanted a left-handed hitter in the lineup. And I I wrote an article over at ontapsportsnet.com incredibly shameless plug of were the Cubs really ever in on Reese Hoskins because we sat there and listened to Jed physically tell all of us at Cubs convention that they were linked to players this off season that they haven't even spoken to was Reese Hoskins. One of them because it was a logical fit and because the Cubs were a big market team that I think is completely plausible because we heard so much Reese Hoskins connection yet we all sat here and knew this Cubs team needed more left-handed hitting. That's why the Bellinger connection has made sense all offseason. 
if you looked at the rest of the team outside of a switch hitting Ian Happ, you're very limited at the from the left-handed side of the plate, especially from a power perspective. Michael Bush brings power. Michael Bush, maybe in the major leagues, isn't a, a 35 to 40 homer guy, but maybe he's a 25 to 30 guy and gives you 30 doubles. I want to see what Michael Bush evolves into. And I hope we start to get a little bit of a taste of that in spring training because they gave up a, a substantial prospect for him, which clearly shows that they're invested in him. Again, they were posted. He's wearing number 29 this season, folks. I've already seen it. And his 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 last name is dangerous enough where the jersey looks enticing. Hmm. We have a problem. I know I have a problem, folks. I yeah, that's, that's right now, if, if he if he if he hits the ground running, you can guarantee I will be purchasing more bush lights just for him. <laughs> yes, just for him. Yes. yes, for him. Crack out the bush. Absolutely. But that is something that, uh, to me, Michael Bush is a guy that I'm I'm very excited to watch. Hopefully, a lot of uh, in spring training here this year with the Cubbies, uh, a guy that I think can be a real wild card of sorts uh, for this Cubs team going into 2024. Uh, Scott says Ron already has a Bush jersey; he just doesn't want to admit it. Um, You're probably right. That's actually not true. I don't have one. I actually, fun fact: the last Chicago Cubs jersey I purchased in any form. Uh, whether official or non-official, take that as you will, uh, is a throwback baby blue Dansby Swanson jersey. Hmm. And that was circa uh, August of last season. So I have not bought any jerseys yet. I, I thought about it at CubsCon. You can ask these two. I, yeah, I, 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 eyeballed, I eyeballed the shit out of that show to Imanaga jersey. I was this close to pulling the trigger, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I used some self-control. And tried to hold back. Jeremiah says, "Fun fact: the last Cub to wear number twenty-nine was Shelby Miller, twenty-twenty-one. Wow. Just like just like Jake Arrieta was on the team to start twenty-twenty-one, as Jeremiah said, he just remembered that. But again, that's the crazy thing: a half a season in baseball can feel like a whole nother year. Uh, just to to continue to to add to what we said earlier, and he says, "Head for the mountains of Bush." There's going to be a lot of Bush talk um, this season. Hopefully, if he has a good year, gentlemen. Oh, actually, hold on. Before we finish up, Joey, you said you had a couple more headlines. You want to rattle them off real quick? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So you, Tyler said the very first one that I was thinking there, too, with uh, the, the rotation. That was one of them. Bush is a great one that you mentioned. Uh, PCA was probably my other one, too, which what Scott had mentioned there, too. He said winning rookie of the year. <laughs> so I – Dude, I really think if he comes out strong in spring, and th this is the other thought I had too, as we're talking about Reese Hoskins, right? You said maybe that was a guy that the Cubs, you know, Jed mentioning not having, uh, they had ties to players that they never even talked to, uh, being rumored to have ties to. Reese Hoskins, I feel like, you know, they're really interested in one first baseman, and that's, Cody Bellinger. It's Bellinger at first or Bellinger in center. And I get the, the sense that that's why Chapman and Belly make a lot of sense because they don't really – I don't look at them as a team that wants to clog up center field or first base too much. Like having that versatility is nice, but also getting Bush where he can play first or third. Uh, Morrell where he's multi-positional. 
PCA is a star-studded or gold glove caliber center fielder, if he pans out hitting, I get the sense they don't really want to clog up either those positions or DH, like DH specifically. Um, I don't think they want like a, a DH only unless that person turns out to be Morrell, which would be cool because I think that that obviously adds – impact but basically what i'm saying is if you have pca that's that's why i'm looking at this if you have pca come up and pan out like that top prospect in your system the entire team the entire team looks really good on paper really good on paper yep yeah well said well said indeed uh gentlemen before we get out of here just a a couple of quick program notes for those listening along Uh, as we noted we are not just disappearing between now and spring training uh between now and opening day we will have plenty of shows for you we will sprinkle in some spring training discussion obviously there's only so much that can be discussed about games that as juice would eloquently say don't count but We're going to have a lot of guests coming on between now and opening day. We've already got a couple of them booked. We're not going to announce them just yet until we uh, officially confirm with them the week of the interviews. Uh, But you will get plenty of indication of who we're bringing onto the shows. Uh, Some old friends, some new friends as well. Um, And and we're super excited for the guests, the potential guest series that's coming up here pretty much between now and opening day. That'll get all of you primed for it. And again, We'll have our, our, our show the week of, uh, of opening day talking about all the predictions and all that that we can revisit at the end of the year just like we did last year. Um, and it'll be an uber fun time. And then we'll, uh, we'll be sharing plans of who's doing what when it comes to opening day and the other cool things coming from Cubs on Tap throughout the season and so much more. Super stoked. Jeremiah says, say I confirmed. I'm not confirming anything, nor am I denying it, nor am I saying it's happening but we're going to keep everybody in the dark it's more fun that way we like keeping you surprised uh but we're again really excited for the prospects of who has informally agreed to come on the show uh we're, we're pretty much at the point now where it's just booking our guests and, and finding time slots that work for everybody involved uh to get them on but we're super excited about that so keep an eye out be sure to follow us at cubbies on tap as you guys know we'll we'll be posting there and obviously all those interviews will end up here as well um youtube Facebook, X, etc. cetera, uh, when the time comes with those guests. Not all of them will be live. We will put that asterisk out there in the world now. Uh, not all of them will be necessarily live. Some of them might be you know, rebroadcasts at a, a more favorable time for people to watch along when they premiere and debut. Um, but nonetheless, there will be a handful that are live and will we'll certainly you know, incorporate the, the chat as much as humanly possible with those discussions. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, as always, want to remind everybody that Cubs on Tap is one of two official Cubs podcasts here at the ONTAP Sports Network. Please do check out our friends over at the Dingers podcast at Dinger Cubs on the socials. They were just live last night. If you haven't caught that show already, you can find it here on the ONTAP Sports Network YouTube channel or whatever you catch your favorite podcasts. Um, it was a great show between Mitch and Jeff last night. I tuned in for a little while as well. They talked very heavily about the Hector Neris signing, so do go and check that out over there as well. Be sure to follow us as well at Cubbies on Tap, C-U-B-B-I-E-S on the socials. You can follow me at Loose on Tap, at Joey Knows Nothing, Teddy Freddy 270 at Nick underscore on Tap, and as well as at Juice on Tap. As always, be sure to follow the entire Cubs crew. You know the drill, Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks. We got it all. And Cubs fans, you got friends that like the Southsiders. So do we. They were just live tonight as well. Uh, send your friends to our friends over at Socks on Tap. And as Juice likes to say, they can be friends over on the South Side. On tapsportsnet.com, at on tap sportsnet on the socials, the on tap sports network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. 
Until next time, I'm Ron Luce, Joey, Tyler, gentlemen, always a pleasure being on the microphones with you. This was a fun show. We'll be back very soon with more Cubs content in the near future. And what do you boys say? We uh, get out here the only way we know how it Cubs on tap. Hey, boys, you see that? You see that right over there in the distance? 60 days away, 60 days away of beautiful spring days, long summer nights where we can officially say on the record when it counts, fuck the Cardinals. And let's go Cubbies, baby. Yes.